Transplanter RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter. That is at D-M-I-T-R-Y-O-P-I-N-E-S. And Explain Trade, a negotiation skills training consultancy believing in the power of D&D and Transplaner's potential to grow, tell great stories, and lift up our community. Explain Trade trains negotiators for governments, big companies, NGOs, and offers e-learning courses for individuals looking to get a better deal from their boss. Level up your charisma score and check out explaintrade.com. Hey there, thank you for tuning in to Trans Planar RPG. We are an all transgender, people of color led, 100% homebrew, Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition live streamed actual play campaign set in an original non colonial anti orientalist world. I am your game master, Connie, my pronouns are they, he, and she, and this is my cast. Hi everyone, my name is C, I use they them pronouns, and I play Oka Hien, Asamar blood hunter and monster hunting expert. I'm Erica, and I play V Noct Shurzo, your lovable elf sorcerer slash charlatan with draconic ancestry. My name is Lyra, and I use they she pronouns. I play Manaya Wairua, a half orc fighter with a sailing background. I'm Max, my pronouns are they them, and I play Dewey Quirk, an Aarakocra artificer and researcher on the run from his former employers at the Ohanahi Research Laboratory. You can support Transplaner RPG by pledging to our Patreon. Patrons get early access to episodes, character sheets, high-res assets, and much, much more. You can also support us by giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. This helps immensely with getting new listeners to find us. So, with that out of the way, here are the content warnings for this episode. Content warnings for this episode include fantasy violence, blood, gore, body horror, monsters and monstrosity, and death. Arc 4, Episode 12 Cosmos, Coin, Gilded Blood From Meet Me at the Center of the Earth by Candy Shui Handcrafted with Love The sign hangs above a stone archway, the red ink of the calligraphy shining proudly against the dark grain of the wood. Past the archway, a humble garden, mottled with grass peering through mossy rock tile. The sunless light of early evening washes over Tarnak and Kilohana's sloop-shouldered home. Clay shingles form a curved awning over the front porch, and smoke gushes out of a chimney. We push in through the front window to see a darkened workshop chamber, sparsely populated with sculptures, anvils, workbenches, racks of tools. Fire crackles in the throat of a kiln. Tarnak, sweat beading on their dark skin, carefully removes an object from the depths of the furnace with a long pair of tongs. It's a jar. A beautiful jar, shaped like a decanter, with a wide flared base that narrows steeply at the top. A divot spirals up the length of the jar. Tarnak carefully examines their handiwork, a look of grim satisfaction etched across their face. And then their long elven ears perk up as Kilohana's voice echoes through the home. Dinner time! 
And we cut now to Tarnak and Kilohana at the dining table in the other room. Kilohana's head is bowed, her hands clasped in prayer, whispering words of thanks over the fish, the vegetables, the rice. Tarnak doesn't pray. They simply wait, staring at the food on the table. And when Kilohana is done, she turns to her spouse. Well, go on then. And now we cut. A couple minutes, maybe an hour later, to the five of you. Oka, Manaya, Dewey, V, and Rev. You stand on the threshold of Tarnak and Kilohana's home, weapons drawn, senses alert. The front door is slightly ajar. A breeze sweeps the yard, carrying the deep chill of late autumn. There are no chickens in the garden, and an unnatural still grips the homestead. What do you do? Manaya leads the charge, Dewey right behind her, and she says, Oka in the middle, then V, then Rev. Rev, watch our backs. If we need to split up, Oka, you go with them. Do you stay with me? On my mark. She puts up fingers and she counts down very quietly from three, two, one. And with her axe at the ready, Manaya uh, throws open the door and barrels in. Doesn't like charge in, but barrels in at a good and loud speed. Uh, eyes just darting around. You barge in to Tarnak and Kilohana's home and you stagger into the workshop chamber, which sort of doubles as their little foyer area. Dewey, you're very familiar at this point with the layout of their home. You see all around you this darkened chamber, smashed shit everywhere. Uh, what sculptural works had remained after they pawned off the rest of their archive to help supplement the creation of the Godjar Dewey has just been like shattered onto the floor. You see like a workbench has been like spilled over tools or like broken and just like scattered everywhere on the ground. You see like tongs just like laying in like a pile of ashes, uh, bits of like clay and marble chunks just everywhere and blood. Signs of a fight. The blood looks fresh. Why don't all of you make a perception check? 24. 24 for Manaya? 17 for Oka. 23. 18. Okay, all of you can hear, as you like go in and like like gather your surroundings for like half a beat, like taking all this in the smell of blood, the smell of like the kiln still smoking, right? You all hear commotion, noise from deeper within the home. Something that sounds like, uh... <laughs> and like a deeper one that goes and a voice a more humanoid voice that sort of goes stay stay back what do you do is that Tarnok's voice Yes, Dewey. You, I think, are the only one who recognizes that as Tarnok's voice. Oka definitely wouldn't. And Manaya and V, even though you rolled high, you met these people for like half a second. I don't know if you'd remember their voices. Irregardless of who it is, where is it coming from? Is it downstairs, just in the other room? Seems to be just in the other room. At the end of this workshop chamber, there's sort of like uh, two doors. One splits off into maybe like a bedroom or something. And another one splits off into like a dining room, living area. That's where the noise is coming from. Okay. Manaya's going to uh, look at Dewey with the eyes that say, uh, stay with me, look back at the others. Uh, we have a nod of, 
watch our backs, and march towards the noise. We go towards scary noises in this campaign. Okay, what about the rest of you? You follow suit? I think, I mean, there's one, two, three, four, five of us going in. Oka hears, but they also, like, their eyes, like, track toward the blood. Uh, and I think they're going to try to, like, investigate the blood a little bit more closely uh, just as everyone goes in, and then they're going to come in the rear at the last. Okay, are you using one of your blood hunter features to do this, or just a straight-up investigation check? I was hoping I could use Hunter's Bane a little bit to recall, like, if this is monster blood, if it's, you know, blood hunting, blood, blood time. Okay, roll with advantage, then. Investigation. Uh, only a 14. Okay, with a 14, this does not appear to be monster blood. Uh, you taste it, maybe you look at it, you feel it between your fingers as Manaya, V, Dewey, and Rev Ob bustle past you, cloaks flapping, right? Their boots, like, uh, crunching over crushed cement and tile. And you know, this is, like, people blood. It's, like, red, regular person blood. There's not, like, a super huge amount. Like, this person is not bleeding to death, but there is a considerable amount of blood on the ground. Like, this is a serious wound. Yep, Oga just kind of swipes it on the floor, you know, like discerns this, and then they go, all right, move it, let's go, let's go. Okay. Uh, Oka, you bring up the rear now, even behind Rev. Manaya, you bust in through like the door, which is off its hinges. There's a door connecting the workshop chamber to the dining room. It's sort of been torn. Like one hinge is like, it's hanging on, you know? You bust through it to come upon a scene of chaos. What used to be like a very beautiful dining table laden with like steamed fish and vegetables and bowls of rice and little cups of wine and gin has just been smashed in half. There's like shattered plates and bowls and spilled soup and drinks just like like, strewn over this entire room and sort of like leaned up against the far wall. This room is fairly large. It's a fairly large dining room. Uh, You see Tarnock. They are sort of huddled against one corner of the wall. They look like their right arm looks like at the, like up here, maybe in the upper arm, looks like it's been slashed or gashed and it's bleeding quite profusely. But they're still holding on with one, like two black hands veined with gold to like a marble bust of like a horse. And they're using it as like an improvised weapon. And they're swinging it sort of from side to side, uh, standing over the limp, what appears to be unconscious or dead, but you don't see any visible gashes, maybe unconscious form of Kilohana uh, is sort of like behind them. And they're sort of swinging the the bus protectively over her uh, because sort of seething and growling and chittering sort of around them are no fewer than seven or eight chicken boys. You recognize them. Uh, these ti- these little bipedal, about the size of dogs, like smaller dogs, uh, f- <laughs> fleshy, furless monsters on two meaty hind claws, no front claws, two huge, like shark-like eyes bulging on the sides of their heads, and just a giant mouth full of gnashing, sharp, rending teeth. And their feet also have like hooked, almost like velociraptor claws. There's another monster in here that seems to be leading them that I don't think any of you have seen before. It looks like a large chicken boy, okay? It's like the largest version of the chicken boys, but instead of only having two legs, it has four. It's like an actual dog, but a really fucked up mutated looking dog, right? These huge shark-like eyes have sort of like widened on either side of their face to form, like to uh, allow, curate space for like the biggest set of chompers you've ever seen, like these massive jaws. Uh, and this long, like, kind of, like, bristling tail with spikes etched on its, like, whip-thin end. But that's not the worst part of this monster. The worst part of this monster uh, is sort of 
crimson veins model all the way up their belly and form like a bulging kind of like sack, right? At like in their jaw, sort of like a bullfrog, right? Like when the, like bullfrogs have that big bulge, but this dog thing has a bulge, right? And it's like bristling with these spiny crimson spikes. What do you do? Um, and I walks into the room. I'm assuming it's kind of like a rectangular room with a long table in it. Yeah, the table is like smashed in half, sort of in the middle of the room. There's food everywhere, various other furniture items. Right. Dewey, I'll cover you. Go make sure they're all right. You three, other side. Manaya's like in captain mode. Like she's she's not barking these orders really loud, but she's just like, you three that way, us two this way. Whether or not you'd like to do what she says is up to you, but Appa Manaya is going to making sure Dewey is follow. Uh, make her way around towards Kilohana and Tarnak. Axe at the ready. Okay, what about the rest of you? V's gonna run towards uh, the direction that Manaya says uh, while casting Meteor in... Uh, so as she's running, her hands are just gonna go over her head and like as she lowers them, it's just like boom, one meter, two meter, four, or three meteors, five meteors, and then the sixth meteor. And those start wrapping around her as she like leaps through the air and does like a really dramatic uh, leap over all the chicken boys to land on the opposite side of them. Okay, to like get between the chicken boys and Tarnak and Kilohana? Mostly like the big one. Yeah, to kind of separate them off. And okay. she's preparing to like... You know, she's got like two meteors ready to strike. Sounds good. Oka, Dewey? I think Dewey sort of sees Tarnak and Kilohana from across the room and like throws himself in their direction. And as he goes over the group of chicken boys between them, I think he's been wearing the, you know, like the big ring that he's used for his um, rope trick. He's been like wearing it around his waist as sort of like a, a makeshift terrible metal belt. Um, but as he like crosses just over the chicken boys, he hits a button on it, and you see blades come out of the outside of it and spin around. What? You have a death tutu? <laughs> <laughs> way to kill the vibes on that one. Wait, wait, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry, have your badass moment. Anyways, yeah, you see blades spin around the outside and um, hopefully run into a bunch of chicken boys, the small ones. Okay. Dewey, as you rush forward, Oka, what are you up to? So I actually technically still have two little squares on my monster manual tracker that I can say that I have, in fact, seen one of these monsters before. So I think on the way to Convergence, Oka did, in fact, run into one of these larger chicken boys. And I do believe that means that I just know stuff about it. Um, given, I think, another Hunter's Bane. Uh, but what does Oka do necessarily is they see it. They see everything. Are there any other entrances or exits in this area? Yes, there are multiple windows, and there seems to be a door leading into like an office space uh, that has been also like broken down open. You can see an office beyond it. Uh, that's also like completely wrecked, like papers strewn everywhere, cabinet, like doors thrown open. Back door or anything like that? Uh, it would be through the kitchen, which is sort of, I think, off to the right. Uh, the door has also been busted open, and you see like a pot like boiling over with like stew in it. Okay, Oka does come in swinging here a little bit. Um, Culling edge drawn, you know, they come in swinging. Uh, and they are going to, you know, like slash at one of them as they go toward the right side and they whistle uh, really loud to try to get as many of the chicken boy's attention as possible. Okay, I think with your monster tracker checked, that means I can just give you free information about this like big chonky boy. Uh, so big chonky bullfrog boy. Uh, 
have, you don't want it to disgorge whatever's in its sack. Uh, it's a, it's got a poison type attack. <laughs> it's what you know. It will use a poison type attack on you. So you want to like stay away from it, hit it at range if possible, because the poison can only hit what's almost within melee of it, right? Um, but it's nasty. Its bite is much worse than the chicken boys and its claws can rend as well. Uh, you also know that it seems to be like in charge of the chicken boys. So it's likely if you take it down, the chicken boys will become uncoordinated and a lot easier to kill. But because they have a leader, they seem to be moving with pack tactics, like a lot more intelligently than the first few times you encounter them. That's the info I'll give you. Great, Oka shouts something to the effect of like, here, big boy, and they like whistle a little bit. Uh, and they're like, watch out for that thing. Uh, and they're trying to lead it away. It's initiative time. So that's what all of you want to do. I'll have y'all, uh, why don't y'all collectively roll a group initiative? I'm not gonna use this to determine who of you goes first. I'm just gonna see if you go first or if the enemies go first, based on your group initiative, if you can beat them with a group check. 14. I used a luck point, just so you know, uh, and rolled the 19. I'm using one inspiration. Yeah, I'm using a flash of genius to get a 15. I'm using my second ins- No, I'm gonna stick with the 11. I rolled nine twice. Okay, so the highest was V's and 19. Okay, uh, I rolled a natural 20 <laughs> for the enemy group. Uh, so I think what happens is as all of you start to surge forward, uh, but before any of you can get into position, this big old chunky boy is gonna whip around and just let out a and you sort of see like the sack on their jaw like pulsate and, and it squeezes, it contracts, it contracts and you see this like crimson bile bubbling up in its throat and it squirts out of its mouth. So I need all of you to make a deck save. Uh, Oki can do it with advantage because you knew this was coming. Natural 20, baby. Holy shit, what the fuck? That was two natural 20s. Two natural 20s in a row for my advantage. That was two of them. Yeah, can I give them to a, can I, can I buy for a friend? I rolled you know a nat one. <gasps> you know what? Because you had two natural 20s, I'll let you donate one to let uh, Dewey succeed on this. Not like a natural 20 success, but you'll still succeed. Oka grabs Dewey by his dumb pointy skirt uh, and whips him away. <laughs> what did Manaya get? 14. 14? Okay, V? 19. Okay, V, you're gonna save. Manaya, you're not. So both... Oka and Dewey, because you got a natural 20, none of you are going to take damage, uh, but Manai, you're going to take full damage, and V, you're going to take half damage. So full damage is going to be 32 points of poison, and half is going to be half of that. All right, so as this, like, crimson bile just spurts out, Oka, you hit the deck, pulling Dewey down, uh, it splashes onto V and Manaya and Rev. Rev pulls up her like a raven feathered cloak and like it sizzles against the feathers, right? As she protects herself. Um, but V, you're not so lucky. Maybe you dodge a little bit out of the way, but some of it splashes onto your armor and it hurts. It like gnaws away at your flesh. It like sizzles your skin. Like the little hairs on like your armor like getting burned away. And Manaya, I think you also get like the brunt of it as well. Like it's getting in your face, like on your neck and your arms. It's freaking nasty. It's like you're getting splashed with acid. All right. Uh, and next up is going to be, I think, your group before the chicken boys swarm. Uh, so who's going to seize the initiative? Who's going to go first? Uh, I think that when Oka like grabs onto Dewey and then like hits the deck, uh, it also like pulls Dewey down, which is directly into the chicken boys. Uh, so I think that his belt becomes sort of a blender because it's just a bunch of spinning blades. 
so uh-huh. can I can I roll to shred some of these chicken boys? <laughs> yeah, roll to shred, Actually, man. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Will It Blend? Today's episode, <laughs> fucking chicken boys from hell. All right, let's get this show on the road. Our special guest on the show will need to make a dex save. Okay. Uh, do you have a radius on that, or is it just like within melee of you? Uh, within five feet. Let's say there's like three or four chicken boys within five feet of you. Uh, what's the deck save against? 15. They fail. So what happens? Uh, I get to roll some damage. Look at me. I get to roll multiple dice. For the first time in your life? Uh, it's 14 damage on each of them. On each? They die. <laughs> so, <laughs> so describe to me what it looks like as you blend these chickens to death. I think Oka feels like as they grab onto this belt and pull down, it was vibrating before and then like it, you hear like a sort of grizzly goopy noise and then Oka looks over and it's just a pile of like, uh, chakra goo. You know what I did? I, d- I made Dewey into a Beyblade. I like ripped him and I like so, so <laughs> Wait, wait, okay. I have to go next, please. Yes, Manaya, go next. All yours. Manaya takes a moment to wipe some of the acid off of her face as she, um, I'm gonna use action one, because I have action surge, to grab Dewey off the floor using the hook of her ax and just throw him horizontally, Beyblade, not directly at Kilohana and Tarnak, but in that direction, hoping to catch a bunch of uh, chickens on the way. Okay, that's going to be an athletics check, and Dewey, you're going to have to assist with an acrobatics check to make sure you don't accidentally hit your friends with your Beyblade of Death. 18 for athletics. Okay. 13. Okay, a a 13. I'm going to give you a hard choice. So the hard choice is either you you get Tarnock a little, uh, or you're flung into such a position that you're right in front of the big old toad boy uh, by the end of this. Throw me at the big frog. Okay, sounds good. Big uh, uh, dog frog? Uh, frog dog, let's say. Angry frog dog. So I'm going to roll a dexterity saving throw again, I suppose, for this like pile of chicken boys that you're going through. <laughs> they fail. Hell yeah, more dice. Oh, that was really bad damage, though. So they only take four damage. Four. Oh, how did you fluctuate between four and like 15? Okay, um, four damage each. They each look pretty dang bloodied. Let's say you hit like four more, right? So you killed, you straight up killed three. So there are like f- six left, I think, standing, right? But the other three have di- uh, disincorporated into goop. And you land up, you whirl as like Manaya chucks you and you you land with a skittering of metal against, you know, concrete and like feathers like whistling over the ground at the feet of this frog dog. Uh, and it looks down at you and you see like crimson saliva drooping down from its like sharp rending jaw and it lets out a uh, But now it's Oka and Ravi's turn. Oh wait, I'm gonna use action. Oh right, you have another action. Right, right, go ahead. Use action surge to actually move and actually attack. Um, I'm going to. Amanaya um, is going to uh, ready her axe, and uh, swirling leaves from her hand travel down the uh, the handle and wrap around the uh, the head as she activates green flame blade. And I'm okay with taking as many attacks of opportunity it takes for me to get between Dewey and the head. Uh, the head chicken boy. Okay. That's gonna be 
One, two, three, four, five, six. That's going to be six attacks of opportunity against you. That's fine. If they're all attacking me, none of them are attacking anyone else. That's true. That's the idea. Okay, so I'm just going to just roll for them. Okay. Uh, whoa. Two of them get natural 20s. Okay. <laughs> uh, and two others get normal hits, and the other two don't hit you. So okay. that is going to be... 14 uh, from the two natural 20s combined, uh, and they're gonna latch onto you. I think one latches onto your right leg, the other one latches onto your right leg. Um, sorry, did I say the same leg? One latches onto your left leg, and the other latches onto your right leg, and they, uh, like their teeth chomp in, and each of them deals us, um, sorry, 14 piercing damage each. Yeah, so 14 each. So that's 28 total. And then the regular attacks from the other chicken boys. One lashes onto your arm. The other one lashes onto the other arm. That's going to be five piercing damage each. So 10 more piercing damage. Uh, and Manaya, you're just hoofing it like through the sea of chicken boys. And you skirt, you like skid between uh, Frog Dog and Dewey. Anything else you can do? Oh, well, I'm going to attack. Uh, Manaya is going to uh, yell back to Dewey. Tend to their wounds. I've got this. And she looks up and she takes a swing with her, uh, with the swirling leaves covering her axe. Yeah. I mean, I have to attack before anything else happens. Okay. Make an attack roll. 25. That does hit. Uh, so roll damage. <laughs> 16 mm-hmm. plus four. So 20. So 20, okay. 20 damage. Uh, and then as, as her blade hits and it's this uppercut, gash right across the front the leaves sort of make like swirl into the wound sear it with like a burning um almost the light of the sun in summer the like the summer sunlight it flashes and then they coalesce and i guess only one tendril of of uh of leaves jumps out and goes towards one of the chicken boys on manaya's arm uh and deals another four damage to that one Okay, let's say that was one of the injured ones, so you straight up kill it. Uh, so what does it look like as that one dies? That one uh, gets hit by these leaves that sort of cover it, and almost like piranhas devouring a, a piece of meat in the water. It, it's almost like the, the whirring blades from earlier. It's just they swirl around it at breakneck speeds, and nothing but goop now covers Manaya's arm. Gross. Yeah. Yeah, the leaves com- completely swarm this chicken boy and reduce it to goop, and it sort of sloughs off your arm, like splatters onto the ground. Maybe some particles get on Dewey's face and like splashes onto Dewey's uh, glasses uh, as this chicken boy is reduced to flesh. Anything else you can do on your turn? Nope. Okay. Uh, in that case, Oka and or V. So V's over there. She's wiping off this burning acid. Uh, it's, you know, it's burning, and she gets real angry at the uh, the chicken dog. And uh, as bonus action, she will throw two meteors at the chicken boy, which uh, is a dex save to see if it's half damage or full damage. The big one, frog dog? Yep. <laughs> it got a nat one. <laughs> well, it is going to take... Let's see, that's 16. So you, you can roll... You can take full damage and roll again, or you can roll double dice and choose like a narrative boon, like pick something else that happens. All right, uh, let's see. That's 22 points of fire damage. I'll just roll again. Uh, uh, let's, let's see how, so we've got 22 plus 
plus 20, so 42 points of fire damage. And since Manaya is like right in front of the thing, I'll just for flavor um, throw it and it's almost like in a tornado pattern. And we'll say both go straight up the backside of the uh, old flame boy because I don't want to get fire damage to our friend Manaya. So it's going to hit from the opposite side and just uh, it's like a burning burrito <laughs> the opposite way. Oh my god. Okay, a tornado of fire <laughs> encompasses this frog dog and it lets out a. And Manaya and Dewey, the two of you smell a horrible smell of burning up disgusting monster flesh, right? Getting charred like right in front of you, like smoke starts wafting off its hide as it thrashes in pain, like the spines on its fleshy back bristling in anger. Anything else you do, V? It looks real fucked up. It looks like one or two more good hits can take it out. So that was my bonus action for my actual action, then I will cast Scorching Ray. Is there only one dog boy on Dewey now? Did Manai take care of one of the dog, the chicken boys on Dewey? Uh, there's only one alpha chicken boy uh, that is on, like, in front of Dewey, confronting Dewey, and there's like a swarm of like Omega chicken boys around it, uh, three of which are attached to Manaya's body. Okay, well then I'll, I'll fire the three rays at the ones that are on Manaya's body then. So okay, that's... just be forewarned, if, if you get a really low roll, you'll hit Manaya. She can take it, she's a strong lady. Let's see it. <laughs> I was the buff lady before Reb was cool. Just saying. It's true. Just saying. So, um, OG Buff Lady. Let's see, so the first one was 27. Okay. 14. Okay. And uh, 21. 14 does not hit. Would you want to reroll that one or are you going to take it? I have a luck point, so sure. I'll, I'll, I have okay. one luck point left. Well, that's, uh, yeah, that's a 25. Okay, all three hit roll damage. Seven points of fire damage on one, nine points on the other, and ten on the third one. Yeah, how do they die? <laughs> yeah, just uh, three rays. Uh, gosh, uh, we'll do one in each hand plus out of uh, her little jewel in the center of her armor. And they just, uh, let's just do headshots right on all three, burning into the back of their heads to, like, basically just sear them. It's like a hot laser beam just right through and, and bodies slosh and the heads just slowly follow suit. Disgusting. Thank you. Yeah, your scorching ray beams and like the flesh bags slough onto the ground. Maybe they like burn Manaya a little bit as they like slough off of her arm and legs. Uh, it's a, a really disgusting sensation, Manaya. Go ahead. Manaya with acid covering her front and goop, acid, like hot goop covering her sides takes a look at V and goes, yeah! <laughs> She's metal as fuck. I love her. Anything else you do, V? Uh, V's just gonna be like, it's a hot time in the old town tonight, is it not? And then that's <laughs> it for me. That's that's all I got. Okay, fantastic. Oka. Okay, uh, how many, so there's the big frog dog left and three more chicken boys? Two more. Two more chicken boys. Isn't that so funny that I have two attacks? Okay, is going to uh, also just come in swinging. They vault over the table. Uh, Culling Edge is out. They're ready for this. Um, and they are going right for Frog Dog's pouch. Because they can't inflate it and spurt more venom at us if it can't inflate. So they're going to go pop that horrible little balloon. Okay, make an attack roll on Frog Dog's uh, pouch of crimson fun. I'm going to use a point of inspiration. 
I'm going to use another point of inspiration. Unnatural 20 for that one. Okay, that is not going to hit, actually. That's going to just not hit. So I can give you I can give you the option to roll damage, but it gets to react against you if it survives. Uh, or you can take the L. I'll do damage and get a reaction. I also have an extra attack that I will use. That was a nat fucking one for my second extra attack. So uh, it doesn't go well for Oka, whatever is about to happen. Wow. Okay. So the first attack does hit. We'll resolve the nat one in a second. We do have an auto crit on the table uh, that you can use if you want. Uh, I think it makes sense. Oka's kind of fucked up. And I think like as they like move forward with their blade, their arm kind of like buckles in an odd way uh, as they get closer, like more entrenched in the smell of blood and battle uh, and moving their body really fast for the second time today, actually. 21 points of piercing damage and four points of fire damage from the culling edge. Um, okay, that kills it, actually. <laughs> uh, that kills it. I have an idea for how to resolve your natural one a second attack uh, in, a, in a second. So describe to me what it looks like as this thing dies. Uh, I think it's funny. Manaya's like, yeah, the like the things slough off. Uh, and Oka does like a fucking, like they're just there suddenly and they do this baseball slide underneath, like through Manaya's legs. Uh, and then they like, also I think also under Dewey, because it's like Dewey, Manaya, Frog Dog. And Oka just slides underneath everyone real quick. And then they come up and they like punch out with their hand, like right into the, like into the pouch. And the blade like comes up and out when they're like already connected with its body. Yep. Uh, and boosh. Uh, all of you see like the blade sink into this thing's fleshy pouch. And there's a moment where the thing just sort of like stands very still for like a second. And then you see like the pouch like bulge, distend, and like part of its face bulges and distends as well. It's like entire body starts quivering and then it explodes. Uh, so Oka and everyone else, I think in the room, Tarnak and Kilohana included, just make a constitution saving throw. Can, do we have advantage since I'm standing in front of him? I suppose you do have cover. Yeah, sure, why not? Dewey, you could use Manaya's cover. 23. 12. 14. It would be a six if it wasn't a nat one. Yikes. Okay, so Oka and Dewey are going to take full damage. Uh, Manaya, you're going to take half damage. And V, you are also going to take full damage. And something extra bad is going to happen to you. So full damage is going to be 30 points of poison damage. You know that thing that we hated in arc one where I was yes. like, I have resistance to poison damage. I have resistance to poison damage. Okay, so you take 15. Uh, Dewey, you're going to take 30. Uh, v, you're going to take 30. Manai, you'll take 15 points of poison damage. As this thing just like, like red flesh and blood and acid all mixed together just explodes everywhere and like splatters the walls. Bam, splats onto the ceiling, like spreads across the floor, smacks onto the remains of the other two chicken boys, which were running away, I think at this point. And it, it sizzles the chicken boys as well. They let out these like, like terrible little squeaks and squeals as they try to like escape the scene of this, this confrontation. And V, uh, I think what this means is the bloodied explosion is so intense for you that I think you reel backward uh, and you like, I think you fall back. Like you're about to fall prone, right? Like onto the ground. Uh, but then ooh, like a pair of arms catches you uh, as Rev just, you know, gets in the way and prevents you from like smacking onto the ground, right? But you like look up into her face. Uh, she looks down at you and says, hey, are you okay? Um. I'm a that hurt just a little bit, but I feel better now. 
What was she doing this whole time? Rev, no okay. question, Rev. Rev gently like like puts you back up onto your feet, uh, and she holds out like a hand, and you see that she has summoned Grim this entire time, and she very quickly sweeps the scythe like across the room, uh, and even though the blade passes through some of you, it doesn't hurt. It's like she's like specifically excluding you from the reaping. Uh, as she like reaps whatever invisible souls that the, the destroyed chicken boys had been containing in them and stores them inside of Grimm, right? She twirls the scythe up in like a flash of silver and black uh, and also reaps like the little like floating little motes of light suspended in the air for just a fraction of a second in the wake of uh, dog frogs explosion as well. She like lowers Grimm and like twirls her hand again and the scythe like disappears. She just sort of mutters, 14. 14 souls this time. I'm glad I was able to hold on to them for the Raven Queen. Oka, your nat 1 second attack means that you are suddenly struck by like a massive like headache. Like a massive spike of pain from the effort of fighting, right? While part of your soul has been ripped out of your body. I think just drives all the way down your spine. And I think like even though you're already on the ground, like maybe you collapse a little or tell me how you're dealing with it. Oka's hand was still out in that like knife punch, I guess. Uh, and it just like comes back really quick so hard that I think it like knocks them back uh, prone so that their head is like just like next to Manaya's feet, basically. <laughs> fuck. Oh, fuck. Whoa, whoa. Oh. You all right? Oh. <sighs> Am I, do I take any more damage? I only have 38 hit points left. Uh, you don't take damage, but this is something for you to know psychologically. <laughs> take psychological damage. That's a whole new category. Yep. Uh, Oka looks, uh, their face uh, twitches a few more times uh, in pain, which is odd because I don't think it really does that. They get angry when they get hurt. They don't hurt. Fuck. Uh, and then they kind of like, they're like roll over into a ball and then push themselves up onto their hands and knees. <laughs> when I offer an arm. <sighs> and Oka like takes it and pulls himself up. It's a pretty badass move you did. Too cool for you <clears throat> to handle? Uh, it's not now. Uh, and they uh, stumble over to Kiluhana. Okay. Yeah, as Oka just sort of like, maybe like pushes Manaya off in a very un-Oka way and like staggers over to Tarnak and Kilohana. You see Tarnak has shielded Kilohana from like taking the brunt of the exploded acid frog dog uh, and is like like they're sizzling up like on their like dark skin right like the veins of gold also sort of like twitching with pain but they've fallen to their knees and they are hunched over kilohana and they're like very hurried like like touching her up and down like patting her on the side of the face right and as you hunch next to her tarnak goes uh, uh, uh oka is it i this is she okay oka casts healing hands which is going to be 12 points of uh of health back to her what does that look like? Kind of through the like mess of blood and acid, uh, Oka's hands kind of, fuck, I don't actually know if I could do it. They try to at least uh, manifest like little like glowing motes of gold light on their hands and like press them into Kilohana's chest. You do it, uh, but your hands shake, they tremble, your fingers just vibrate uncontrollably as you summon this like glowing magic, um, and it feels really unstable. Like you see like the light flickering on and off, like a, a old expired light bulb, right? As you like press your hands against Kilohana's body, uh, and you suffuse her with healing magic. Uh, it works, but my god, your grasp on your own magic, your tea, your soul is 
escaping you by the second, right? Uh, and Kilohana is like, face sort of like flushes with color, right? And she sort of like gasps and like her eyes fly open, right? And you see like some sweat is like matting her forehead. Uh, and she like very slowly tries pushing herself up as she coughs. <clears throat> Thankfully, you don't see any visible, like, scratch or bite marks. It seems like maybe she was thrown against the wall and then knocked unconscious or something like that, right? Um, and she's, like, dressed in her, like, like Uhan robes, as usual. She, like, slowly pushes herself up and Tarnak helps her up. I... what... what's happening? I... the notes... the... the jar! The jar! Tarnak! The jar! The... oh! Uh, hello! Oh, oh my! Oka, is it? Dewey! Cardu! Yeah, I think Dewey uh, rushes over and seeing that Oka is like shaking so much, um, he's like, he's got his water skin and he's just like squeezed it out over his hands to get some of the acid off. Uh, and then he like hands it to Oka and like takes over with the healing. And Dewey has like a hand on, um, I think, Kilohana's wrist. And he's like, what What happened? I, I don't, uh, my head. Darling, I don't, I don't quite remember, uh, it's okay, uh, Kilohana, I'll tell them, um, <clears throat> and Tarnak sort of just heavily drops, like, the bust onto the ground, and it sort of, gung, 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 and, like, wobbles and falls over. Tarnak slumps, like, exhausted onto the ground, and says to the five of you, we, we were, uh, uh, settling down for dinner, actually, just a couple minutes ago, maybe half an hour ago, uh, when we heard a, a, a knock at the door. Uh, there was a man there. Uh, he said he was a, a customer who needed help with returns on an art piece he'd bought from us a couple weeks ago, but I don't remember selling to him, and Kilohana didn't either, but he was very insistent. Um, there was, uh, someone else with him. A very strange person, uh, Actually, about your height, maybe? And Tarnak points to you, Oka. Give or take. Very average height. Uh, they were wearing all black. I remember that. And they had this mask on the entire time. Um, actually, the craftsmanship on the mask was quite nice. Uh, but they gave me a really weird feeling. Um, anyway, the two of them were very insistent. So we let them in and we said, Okay, we'll take a look at our sales records to see if we... That doesn't matter. Basically, as soon as we let them in, they immediately just started going through our house. They knew where everything was. They went straight into Kilohana's office. They busted down the door. They just started ripping things open and, and grabbing things and putting them into, into a bag. And we tried stopping them. Uh, Kilohana thought maybe they were, I don't know, I don't know, bandits or, or I don't know. We, we don't know, thieves burglars but they were so upfront about it and we tried to stop them but they were strong and then they they went into my workshop and they they and at that like Tarnok stops talking and Kilohana who's pushed herself into like a fully sit-up position looks at you Dewey and you see in her face you get the feeling they you know what they took was it a dog uh, the mask wh what the mask no it the was a um the mask was like a bronze mask. It was a very plain, just like a person's face, but it was the same Dewey. Oka's referencing uh, the the Paragon Killer. Um, no, neither of them was a dog. Uh, though I guess they did. <sighs> I don't really understand what happened next. We tried to stop them. The um, 
thing that you had asked us to make for you. Akilohana's trying to talk around it in front of the other the other paragons yeah, and here. Like, right yeah, the, you yeah, the jar. The oh, jar. Oh, yes. Okay, yes, good. Uh, yes, the jar. They they took it. Uh, Tarnak had just finished firing it in the kiln, and they they took it. But it's not done yet. It's not imbued with soul essence at all. It's incomplete. Uh, anyway, that's when the man, uh, not the one with the mask, the other person, the man, he reached into, he was wearing this very strange style of suit. Uh, he reached into his breast pocket and he pulled out this, these two vials, I guess. One of them was filled with this like gray liquid and the other one was filled with this red liquid. And then he smashed them both on the ground and those things just spawned, I guess. They just bubbled out of the flesh and formed. It was really disgusting. And then they left because we were obviously fighting them off. We couldn't chase after them. I'm so sorry, Dewey. I, we. No, I'm. I'm sorry. I brought this. I should have. I should have known better. I'm sorry this happened to you. I. Cardu, who were those people? Did you all? Do you all know them? Uh, Oak has told us about the appearance of the Paragon Killer. Yeah. So those were. I was talking about the assassination. That may have been the soon-to-be assassin. What? I don't... I don't understand. This is Tarnok. Why didn't they just kill us? Maybe they only want to kill paragons. Everyone else who just gets in their way, they don't bother with? <laughs> and Oka kind of gestures to the, like, monster guts that were everywhere. <laughs> Uh, I think they were trying to kill you. They just weren't giving you the piece of the, the the time of day. Oh, right. Of course. Oh, thank you for saving us. Um, thank you. Thank you. Come on. We can get you a uh, a, a a guest a guest room in the palace. You can't stay here. What? No, we couldn't. No, 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 no. The slumbering palace. I could never intrude. We couldn't. We'll find a hostel or something in Dokao. Well, we'll make it's do. It's not safe here. We have a place for you. And this can't happen again. Are you... are you sh sure? We don't want to intrude. We know the wedding's coming up. We don't want to get in the way. <laughs> At least for tonight. You did this. This happened to you because you were trying to help one of us. I... well... I guess, thanks, yeah, okay, yeah, thank you. Thank you, we, <clears throat> we really appreciate it. And Cardu, I'm so sorry about the jar, I, we can try to make another one, um. Don't, don't worry about it right now, um, if it's gone, it's gone, we, uh, I just want to make sure you guys are safe. There are a few things that those two assholes took from us, and we'll be getting both of them back. Speaking of them, the other man, unmasked one, what can you tell me about about them? What do they look like? Uh, <clears throat> well, and Kilohana talks as like Tarnak slowly, like gingerly helps her up. <clears throat> he had uh, skin kind of like yours and points to V. And this short, um, golden hair? Blonde, I think, is the term. Uh... He was quite handsome, I guess, in a really bland way, uh, like saltine crackers. And um, 
he he spoke in a really smooth way. I, the way he was speaking made us believe we had maybe really sold him a defective art piece and just forgotten about it. That's why we let him in in the first place. Why? Is everything okay? Question. Uh, would I be able to cast Detect Thoughts so I could see this person? <laughs> uh, yes. Are you specifically trying to detect... Are you going to ask for permission? Or are you just going to yeah, like... Yeah, V will okay. ask if... Uh, will you... Can I please look inside your mind and look at the person? Oh, uh, would it be helpful if I just thought of his face and then you can yes. see it? Yes. Okay. I'll just focus on his face. I'm sorry. It's just I would... My privacy and all that. Uh, okay. Oh, um, I, I promise I won't go any further. I'm visualizing him right now. All right. And then V like start, walks a little bit closer and then she like stumbles because she is messed up at 14 hit points. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and she uh, sort of like puts her hands closer to her face and, and casts detect thoughts to, to pop in there. You see a picture perfect image of Adam. That's exactly who I thought it was. Oh, boy. Well, everybody, looks like we get to all meet Adam. The Hien family courtyard in the slumbering palace is a beautiful series of interconnected gardens of hawthorn trees, red oak, hydrangea bushes, ponds filled with lilies with frogs sitting atop of them singing their warbling songs. We push through a stone archway uh, that's currently decorated with these beautiful glowing fairy lights in advance of day one of wedding celebrations that are coming upon us. Autumn is starting to settle into winter. Trees are losing their leaves. Fruits are beginning to wilt. As we push through this flower-dappled courtyard, we reach a specific garden where we see our paragons, the invited guests of the Hien family, standing and waiting for Oka to come out. But before Oka comes out of the home, I think we're going to settle in on Manaya, Dewey, V, and Rev. The four of you stand next to Arden Hien, Oka's mom, and Oka's three younger sisters, Yaya, Liangya, and Toya. Toya kind of stands off away from the rest of you. She, All of them are dressed in these beautiful robes, I think uh, not only of Tulong and royal colors, but of the colors of the Hien family uh, bloodline. Uh, and Toya's hair is, as always, done up in a super high femme, beautiful, like, updo, right? With, like, flowers made of, like, gems and jewels and pearls, right? Like, threaded in through the tresses. And she's currently, like, very standoffish, right? Yaya is sort of, like, looking at her, like, trying to go up to her, but she's, like, trying to, like, chew Yaya away as she's, like, like carefully taking care of her nails. And, like, several, like, waiting ladies are, like, helping her put the fin finishing touches on her makeup. Uh, but now we pan away from Toya, and Arden sort of sitting in her wheelchair, sighing despondently, as clearly she can't get Toya to interact with the rest of the family in that normal way. We pan past Liangya, who, even though she's, like, dolled up to, to, like, to, like, the nines, she still has a book with her, and is, like, frantically flipping through it. And you all see it's, like, a book of, like, marriage customs and what to do and what not to do uh, when important weddings happen. And Yaya, who, bored from talking to a reticent Toya, uh, has produced a wooden sword and is sparring with it, like, in the by herself practicing sword forms, right? A wild child. Her hair's already coming undone and Arden goes, ayah, like rolls over and tries to stop, stop Yaya from going buck wild. Now we pan over to Dewey, Manaya, V, and Rev. Which one of you would like to describe what you're wearing first? Sure, V will go with it. In the course of the last week or so, V has taken some of her earnings and gone to some dressmakers. 
in the in the uh, in Ducal and gotten made for her specifically tailored so impeccably, like the way we remember V back in the first episode. Um, it's kind of got the shape of you know like a Victorian dress where it's like almost like a hoop skirt in the background, but like it's not actually that. It's just the it's shaped like that uh, with a lot of like gray on dark gray uh sort of stripes between it's it's robes it's all robes but just somehow manufactured and shaped into this almost victorian like but steampunk of course like like a steampunk victorian outfit with a sort of vestiture which is like the gray pinstriped thing uh which you see like underneath the robes and where her green kelly green tie used to be is um it's cloth it's like a very well done ribbon that is very decoratively like tied up and, but still then like long strands that sort of dangle into the wind and stuff. And so it's very robe like, but taking all the beautiful themes of V, uh, her previous business attire, uh, taking those themes and put into the dress. Beautiful. I think next to you, Rev looks down and says, You look beautiful. And we pan up to Rev and we see that she's sort of like running one hand through her sh- shortcut hair. And she is wearing, I think, uh, ooh, okay, a collar shirt that's sort of like unbuttoned, sort of like maybe down to like her sternum. And it's tucked in to these like high-waisted like black pants, right? And she's wearing these like big boots. Uh, her raven feathered cape, she somehow transmogrified through magic or something into like a suit. Uh, like a suit jacket that is currently like hanging off of like that she's currently have has thrown over her shoulder she isn't wearing it yet but you know though she puts it on it's gonna look like this beautiful like like rippling shiny feathered like suit jacket right but she hasn't put it on yet and she has like a loose tie right that's like halfway like unknotted like hanging around like her open collared shirt revealing of course her bulging pecs uh she looks down at you and smiles V just, like, looks up and just, like, turns pink in the cheeks. Yeah. Okay, are we going to pan to Dewey or Mania next? I think Dewey is standing over Leonia's, or, like, looking over Leonia's shoulder at this book, because he certainly doesn't know what to do in weddings, either. He's wearing, like, a shirt, uh, one side, like, crossed over the other. It's, like, navy brocade. He's got these, like, long pants that, um have like very wide legs so it kind of like swishes around like a skirt almost um as he walks leading up to this like i think arden hien was like oh you don't have something to wear to the wedding you should go see my friend jump uh and dewey was like oh god oh my god yes again uh so he's got layers upon layers of robes um on him now that jumping has had time to have them tailored and they're just in colors of like like jewel tones um of like burgundy but they've got like embroidered uh fall leaves and like dragons on them oh my god a fashionable pigeon (gasps) i love it yeah they they fit really well i think you actually look like really good like no longer the greasy artisan smock (laughs) with the huge bulky you took a shower you we (laughs) reprised wop wet ass pigeon uh for a showered dewey i love it i love it uh, now we pan over from like this beautiful, like these like long, wide, flared pant legs, the jewel tones, the burgundy. Pan over from Dewey up to Manaya. Manaya is themed after a palm tree, where her leaf cape 
has sort of been retailored into a sort of like of a button-up shirt. And all of the leaves are green, and they're all nice and uh, uniform. The small maple leaves have transformed into big, long palm leaves that hug her body. Uh, but as we travel downward, it it's actually a dress. It goes down into basically a circle skirt and transitions seamlessly from the bright green into an oceany sky blue with like swirling green and greens and whites mirroring the foam of the oceans. And at the very bottom, and for her somewhat train behind her, it goes from that pretty starkly into beach sand, just this bright, beautiful, golden, uh, speckled sand of a few different colors, not a lot, and weaving itself in and out all over just these line, these lines and swirls are the other color of Uhanahi, gold, from the very bottom all the way up to the leaves, and her flower hair tie, former armband, is now being used in its proper way. She has taken her hair completely down into these big, beautiful knots that fall down almost to her waist, and she's wearing the, the leaf crown properly on her head. Very nice. Yeah, you look, all of you look beautiful as you stand there next to Oka's family, right? And I think that's before Oka comes out. Arden wheels over to your group, looks at all of you, smiles faintly and says, you all look so gorgeous. Uh, thank you so much for standing with our family uh, for the reception of the dignitaries. It means a lot that the Paragons are on our side. Well, you know, a friend of Oka's is a friend of ours and any way we can be here for you all is an honor for us as well. Of course. Oh, and uh, we've made sure that the two friends that you ushered in here uh, last night will be well taken care of. Uh, Tarnok and Kilohana, I believe, were their names. Um, they should be in other guest quarters. I told them they were more than welcome to stand with us as well during the reception, but they declined my offer, and I think they're focusing on recovering. Oh, yes, they're uh, even less of party people than we are. <laughs> Who can we expect to see today? I'm not familiar with the dignitaries. Well, of everyone in the palace, everyone, every spouse, all of their children, all of their servants and retinues and retainers will be there. As for the dignitaries, I've heard rumors that, and maybe that's when uh, the, like the sliding door opens to the front house and Oka steps out. Oka steps out with their head down, like they're trying to ignore it. Like, very uh, teen on their way to prom, and they didn't just spend the last two and a half hours getting ready, you know what I mean? Like, but they totally don't want to be there, you know? That kind of energy they come, like, kind of busting out of the house with. And I think this is the first time that they actually look like they could have been a prince once. They're wearing what would have been their ceremonial wedding robes that they had since they were very young. These like beautiful, beautiful, um, they have tailored it a little bit. There's like this half cape that kind of like clips up like high necked with this like beautiful um, like clip pendant that has the seal of their family on it. And this long black cape that kind of goes over one shoulder and goes all, like almost all the way down to their feet and pulls behind them. Um, this sheer, I think it's like sheared now, this sheer shirt with these little uh, golden and silver 
embroideries like jewels, like the stars kind of just like splayed across their chest. And you can see like this kind of like fiery uh, gold scar that like runs up their chest in these like the top surgery scars. They also seem to have included like what I can only describe as a battle corset um, that like like hooks up underneath their chest, you know? And it's like this like thick, beautiful black leather also kind of etched. And this, uh, I don't know what they're called, but like the strips of, like the robe fabric that comes down just in the middle, you know? Uh, that also like uh, nearly touches their feet and these like tight black trousers and like beautiful shoes and everything is laced with these beautiful glowing embroideries of uh, the stars uh, and the const like all of the constellations that kind of crawl like up, like over their chest, up the cape and like down the train in front to you. And there's like one, uh, there's like an elk like running down at the bottom of the train. Uh, and they like seem to have like also like cleaned up and cleaned up their hair. They're not dirty, they don't smell like blood. And even though there's like this bolt through one of their eyes, they still kind of like, you know, pause. And both of their hands are free so they can like uh, move, but there's like this like beautiful, like also like sheer kind of like gloves that come down to their fingers as well. And they like pull up um, beside their family for like a hot moment, trying not to look anyone in the face. Oka, and your mother sort of like wheels around and, Oka, darling, you look so handsome. Ah, you look better, Ma. Come on, we'll be be late if we hang out here too long. I just found this in the closet in my room. I thought I'd... No time like the present, right? What's that? And Yaya sort of bustles over without complimenting you uh, with the sword and just sort of bops it against your battle corset. That's not part of ceremonial garb. Yeah, well, it's in case I need to do some kick-ass flips and save your butt. Oh, yeah, like this? And she does a kick-ass flip. Oh, kind of what? They're like, huh? Uh, yeah, like that. And they, like, look at their mom like, what the fuck? Arden lets out a long, enduring sigh. <sighs> well, Oka, you look very lovely. And Liang Ya, who was sort of, like, showing Dewey her book, uh, also looks up at, like, adjusts her glasses and says, uh, uh, Yes, Oka, you... It's good to have you part of the family again. <sighs> Thanks, Liangya. We should go. We'll be late, says Toya briskly. And she just sort of, like, strides right past you without looking at you. Oka looks after her for a few moments, looking like they kind of want to say something, but they turn to everyone else. Dewey, did you shower? Did you shower? Yeah. I mean, your pants look good. Why don't you dress like this all the time? Why? Uh, they get in the way. Yeah, Anoka kind of like flaps their like cape, you know? Let's go. Uh, and on that, I think we cut to your retinue heading over to the gate. At this point of the year and of the ceremonial process, the weather has gotten colder. Leaves wilt from branches, their proud oranges and reds turning brown and gray. Trees become bare, the last remnants of fruit smeared underfoot. 
Magical lanterns float through honey-dappled courtyards, the two painted along their paper frames shifting between characters for fortune, auspiciousness, luck, love, and wealth. Elaborate puppets of celestial beasts frolic through the gardens, Telian and dragons, phoenixes and tigers, turtles and lions, all puppeted by skilled dancers. Performers, draped in glowing robes, spin and twirl upon glossy wooden stages erected throughout the palace. Royal children run amok, laughing, gripping skewers of candied hawthorn and fizzling sparklers. The wedding between Prince Moore and Halo is an eight-day-long affair, culminating in a grand ceremony at the end of the week. Today is day one of the wedding, and the royal processions of foreign dignitaries are now entering the slumbering palace. In order to welcome these dignitaries, a wide path has been paved through the entirety of Dokal, lined with fairy lights, food stalls, breathtaking floral arrangements. The path winds all the way up to the front gates of the palace, which are thrown open to admit these emissaries. A crowd of common folk press up against the walls, eager to catch a glimpse of these dignitaries. Oka, Manaya, Dewey, V, and Rev, the five of you, as I mentioned earlier, stand with Oka's family, Arden, Liangya, Sambaya, and the very disgruntled Toya, as part of the Royal Welcoming Committee. The other spouses and all of their family members also gather nearby, draped in their family colors. And as guests of the Hien family, before you set out, each of you were presented with a waist sash, or a pin, depending on what accents your costume the most, uh, bearing the insignia of two crossed elkhorns with a dragon wrapped around it, the Hien family crest. A stage has been erected in the middle of a pond at the very end of this paved path, standing tall on wooden poles. Upon that stage is a magnificent throne glimmering in the sunless light, and sitting upon that throne is the emperor. Her head hangs heavy with a massive crown, eight strings of pearls dangling from the brim, her face covered. And standing at the edge of the pond, not quite on the stage yet, on either side of the throne are Prince Moore on one side and Halo on the other. Both of them are dressed in bright crimson robes, indicating newlyweds. Queen Moore stands next to her son, and an older Fearbolg couple stands next to Halo, presumably Halo's parents. So what do the four of you do as you wait for the dignitaries to finally arrive? Oka's trying really hard to catch Halo's eyes. Uh, how hard? Like staring at her. Like staring at her. Like staring, staring at her. Okay. Uh, as you sort of just like one track mind glare at the pond, right? Maybe? <laughs> That's how I'm describing it. Maybe you're like kind of intense looking looking in her direction. Uh, you see like Halo sort of like talking with her parents who seem to be fretting over her robes and she's like smacking their hands away and you know, like like adjusting her robe and like very clearly saying like, stop mom, dad, I can do this. It's my wedding. You know, like very like prim and proper. And then she like looks away momentarily from the Fearbolg and locks eyes with you. I stick my tongue at, out at her a little. Uh, <laughs> She, like, does, like, a very, like, like, stop that. Like, look at you. And, like, hmm. Like, sort of, like, turns her chin away. What about the rest of you? 
I think as Oka keeps staring, you hear some cloth rustling behind you. Manaya's head as she bends down at the waist to put her head right next to yours. What are we looking at? Uh, Manaya, what do you think we're looking at? We're looking at my best friend who's going to be married to my worst fucking enemy. Oh, I thought we were looking at the pond. We're also looking at the pond. It's a nice pond. Meanwhile, V's just like kind of muttering to her, I'm looking for Adam. I don't know about the rest of you. Like V's like doing look out for any potential uh, chrysalis presence at the wedding. Yeah, okay, V, make a perception check. All right, all right. Uh, unnatural 20. Unnatural 20. As you cast your gaze about this, the, uh, the front uh, of the gate, this front area of the courtyard, try to, like, see if you see any suspicious people, any servants who are maybe, like, acting kind of shifty, any tuft of blonde hair or scent of Paragon Killer. You don't see anything at all. Nothing looks suspicious whatsoever, and that's with a 20. Everything looks good so far, but you all keep looking at the pond. That's, that's nice. And he's just, like, still scanning anyway. Dewey leans into Oka and Manaya where their heads are and is, like, looking over at Halo. And Prince Moa is like, so is this the first um, wedding of any of the children of the Emperor? Yeah. The last wedding that I can remember was uh, the eighth spouse's wedding to the emperor. There hasn't been any other event like this in too long, in at least a decade. Wait, were you supposed to be the first to... And Dewey like, shh, shh, just be quiet, Dewey. Uh, Sorry. Smooth, Dewey, smooth. Oka would have been a lot more handsome than that stupid, ugly, snotty Prince Ma too. Yeah, yeah, you're right, but you should not say it so loud. You'll make Toya upset. Does anyone hear anything? Because I sure don't. I think this has become, like, habit at this point, because Oka, like, keeps going to visit the courtyard, like, for, like, weeks now. Mm. You know what would be really funny? I think it would be really interesting if we saw a certain someone. You know what would be cool, actually? It would be cool if there was, like, a sword or knife demonstration here. Yeah, that would be cool! That would be cool. Can you think of anyone who could do something like that, Yaya? Maybe we could get it for next time. Oh, I know. Um, and Toya like grabs Yaya's ear and yanks. Ow, 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 ow. Okay, 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 okay. Yeesh. I wasn't gonna say it. Yaya, don't you? Ah, you little. And Toya's like looking at you, Oka. But she, like, doesn't break her, like, omerta. Like, doesn't break the fact that she's sworn an oath of silence and to not look at you or to not address you. And she, <clears throat> she like, turns around and, like, looks off. You know, because, like, yeah, I will risk my life to save all of you. That's fine. Everything's cool. But they don't say that out loud. Miss Sampaya, was it? Oh, just Yaya. What's up? Miss Yaya, I was, I attended your sword demonstration a week or so ago. It was very nice. I was awesome, right? You liked it? Oh, some of the moves there I might have to steal for myself. I, I see you walking around with a big axe sometimes. Uh, I would like to try using your axe. I think I can, how much? How heavy is it? Mm, four, maybe five times your weight. You see, her face scrunches up as she attempts to do math in her head. 5,000 pounds? And Ligalia goes, no. Just kidding. It's a little heavier than that. Whoa. One day I'm going to be big and strong, like the really big and strong women in this group. 
I do love the big and strong women in this group. They are they're very inspirational. Ew. Why are you looking at Rev like that, V? Yeah. And why am I included in that? Look, Anaya, you know that you weren't included in that. You know <laughs> wait, I was... Wait, so you don't love you don't love and respect Manaya? V. Uh, I'm torn. No, there's different levels of love and respect. Come there's love and respect, and then there's... Yeah, because what you and Rev do every night in your bed is love and respect each other. Is that what the kids call it these days? Look, you could have gotten your own room anytime you wanted, okay? Mm -hmm. We could have? Wait, that was an option? Well, we don't have that luxury. No, Oka has a place to stay. And I do. Anyway, Miss Yaya, after this whole ordeal is said and done... Hmm... Watching your sword demonstration, there are a few tricks I think you might uh, you might gain from learning from me, and I would love to learn from you, if you'd be so up for it. Yeah, step number one, listen to everything I say and do it. Step number two, uh, yeah, yeah, come on, that's enough. Uh, the dignitaries are about to enter anyway, we can resume this conversation later. Hey, us gals with big weapons, gotta stick together, alright? That's right, we do! Big Weapon Lady Club, yeah! And Yaya sort of like jumps up and punches the air. And Manaya like gives her a fist bump. Yeah, you like, she jumps up to connect her fist with yours because she's so short and you're so tall. Uh, and that's when all of you hear thunder. Uh, no, actually, drums. And you all see starting to march down this pathway from the gate. And you hear like bells ringing as well, like a big cheer, a swell of noise and ruckus and excitement from like the common people gathered beyond the gate. Marching down this pathway are maybe like a dozen or two Jukon drummers. Uh, they are draped in ceremonial robes of green and brown, and they have silver strips tied around their foreheads, right? And all of them are banging on these massive red drums that are strapped to their waist, uh, each th easily the size of like their torso or like a barrel. And they're boom, boom, ding, 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 like in like really like a rhythmic fashion, right? As they like march down in perfect unison, right? Uh, and people like the the royal welcoming committee begins to like clap very politely i think as is custom uh as like the dignitaries come in and like begin to process like past all of you but i want to know like how are y'all reacting uh are you clapping along as is as is custom or are you doing something else i think v for uh this particular group is kind of hiding behind rev a little bit <laughs> make a stealth check all right do i get advantage for big strong girlfriend <laughs> You know what? Yeah, why not? Why not? I'll let I'll let y'all use huge women as half cover. <laughs> okay, it's uh, what we deserve. Right. Okay. So uh, hold on. I just gotta add my. I, I'm pretty sure this is gonna be. You said stealth. So yeah, it's 21. Yeah. Oh, uh, V suddenly disappears. <laughs> but the rest of you, like your eyes are like fixed on this procession. How are the rest of you responding as this? Like you can feel the drumming like in your bones, right? Like rattling your blood, pumping through your heart. This reminds Manaya heavily of the ways that some uh, different ships from different islands in Ohanahi uh, do rowing specifically. Um, and so she she's trying to like do the same clapping motion, but I think her arms are like twitching at every beat. And the reason she had like a big circle skirt was so that you couldn't hear or you couldn't see her like stomping along. 
as she's dancing to this music that just resonates. Yeah, I think you're so big that like Arden's wheelchair starts to rattle a little. And like Yaya's looking around for the source of it, right? But it's all like very like happy and Arden claps along with like a big smile on her face. Oka, Dewey? <laughs> I think you see Manaya. Uh, you don't see much from Manaya, but like Dewey next to her is just like like uh, cartoonishly like bouncing up and down with every step that she, <laughs> every step she takes. <laughs> and he's like trying to keep up with the clapping. Uh, I think the siblings uh, of the Hien family are kind of like lined up in order of age. So I imagine it's like Arden and then Oka, Toya, Lianya, and Sambaya. Uh, and I think Oka kind of like peers like down the line just a little bit. Uh, and they reach their hand out for Yaya to come kind of like stand in front of them. Um, like, like right in front of them so that she can see a little bit better. Cute. Yeah, Yaya is like trying to like look over like the people like in front or just like, I can't. Thanks, Oka. And she's like clapping along and cheering and like whistling, right? Which makes Toya give like a very intense glance. Like, you're not supposed to whistle. This is inappropriate, right? Uh, but as this procession, like, I think they fan out in front of the pond. They fan out and like the, the drumming sort of comes to like a crescendo and they part to reveal in the center of it, a flanked on either side by what appear to be like an elite retinue of Jukan hunters. Because uh, they're dressed sort of like in, in like because of winter, like furred leathers, uh, as well as like like cloth armor, right? With like bows and scimitars, right? And like crossbows strapped to their body. A purple skinned drow woman. She has long attentive ears. Uh, and she wears these emerald, deep emerald green robes layered on top of each other, embroidered with images of rabbits and foxes. And her long black hair is swept up and back in this like elaborate royal hairstyle, similar to a Tulongan hairstyle, but I think a little bit more horizontal and flatter as opposed to like up. Uh, and she wears this like golden crown on her head that has three prongs on it. And her face is painted white with what appears to be rice powder, right? And there's like a daub of crimson ink on her lips, which is the only spot of color on her entire face. And I don't need y'all to roll history, I think, unless you feel like you wouldn't know who the world leaders of Tulong are, in which case you can. Uh, but if you feel like you have a basic grasp of world history, this is Lord Henka Oju, the Great Uniter. Like the, the person in charge of all of Jukai and has been for decades. Uh, and she, like, she's got her robes, like a retinue of servants are picking up the train of her robes, right? Uh, and she like walks forward and she's holding this like beautiful box, right? Uh, with like, um, that's covered on top. And she stops in front of the pond. Right, and like bows like in respect to Prince Moa and Halo, who like ceremonial uh ceremonially walk it like together and they stop in front of her as like a quote unquote united couple, right? And when she like with her head still bowed, Lord Henka of Oju says, My congratulations to the happy couple. Please accept this gift from Jukai. And she like raises the box up. Uh, and Prince Mua steps forward and sort of fumbles with the lock on the box a little bit uh, and opens it up. And I think maybe y'all are like craning your necks to see what it is because you don't have like a great vantage point. Um, but he picks it up and holds it up and you all see like a pure white rose. And she says, the rose of immortality cultivated from our private royal gardens. May your love be long lasting and forever. And Halo takes the box, right? Takes the rose from Prince Moa, puts it back into the box and like closes the lid and says, 
Thank you so much, Lord Henka of Oju. Uh, we'll make sure that this gift is well taken care of. And she hands the gift off to like a royal servant who takes it and like goes off with it, right? And like Lord Henka Oju and her retinue of drummers sort of like go off to the side to like a special designated area where they're allowed to like sit, uh, stand and watch and wait as the rest of the procession comes in. How are y'all responding to this? I mean, V is trying not to be seen. So V is kind of like looking at everywhere but what's going on right now. Oka is also studying the group really intently um, because Jukai is where the scent, the shard of Sen is. So like if there are any odd perforations, if I feel like there should be more drummers or less people, or it, is it odd for Lord Henka Oju herself to be here? Like was were, would I have been expecting a different like dignitary or a lower courtesan? Yes, it's very strange for Lord Henka Oju herself to be here. Like, really common for her to send maybe, like, her son or, like, maybe, like, an advisor. But for her to show up, there's a reason for this. I don't know if you can suss it out yet, just based on first appearances. But her presence is unnatural. Not unnatural, it's unusual. Uh, I think Oka leans over to their mom. And I assume, like, the party members are also kind of right there. Why is the Lord themselves here? I'm not exactly sure. There have been rumors that she herself would be attending, that there's something she wants to talk to your mother-father about, that she thinks that she herself needs to supervise. That's all I really know. The eighth wife might know more. And Oka's eyes kind of like flick over, like probably like across and down the way, you know, to where the eighth wife's... You see this, like, sly halfling woman, like, she's, like, wiggling her fingers and clapping as, like, the retinue goes off. And she, like, meets your eye, like, across the aisle. She, like, wiggles her fingers and smiles at you. Oka politely inclines their head. They don't have beef with the eighth wife, necessarily. Dewey's whispering to, um, I think, Manaya. And I guess Oka's, if they're next to him. Uh, he's like, that's metaphorical, right? The immortality rose? Like, could I have been growing at a Kadjar this whole time? Like, a thing that can make you immortal? Uh, it, it doesn't make you immortal, Dewey. It just never dies. The rose never dies. It, it doesn't but give it's a you cut immortality. It's a cut flower. Yeah, it's a cut flower that never dies. It's a magical flower, uh, native to certain parts of, of Jukai. Liaga leans in and says very helpfully. Yeah, I've seen them before. Oh, really? They're very rare. Yeah, where did you see it? I mean... I've been around, but it would be really good right now if none of them saw me, so I'm just going to stay right here. V, why should Lord Henka Oju herself not see you? Look, remember how my friend Seaver did some nasty things with me? Let's just say the Lord, any Lord of Jukai probably wouldn't be very happy to see me. V, I don't want to think about the nasty things you and Sievert have done, please. You did what in front of whom? Shh! The next one's coming in! The next one's coming in! Uh, Yaya, like, tugs on, like, Oka, like, your arm and is, like, pointing forward. And I think, like, as all of you, like, hush down and, like, turn, you see another retinue come in. This one is not flashy at all. This one is super humble, actually. Uh, there's, it's a much smaller retinue than the Jukan one. Uh, and it's just like 
I think it's maybe like seven or 10 people strong. And most of them are carrying what appears to be like a rolled up carpet or something, uh, but it seems very heavy. So it takes like maybe six people to carry because carpets, carpets be surprisingly heavy. Uh, and sort of like walking in front of the group with his hands clasped behind his back, like draped in these like uh, this fur coat, right? This furred coat and these like leather armors um, that sort of indicate morose is an older satyr man. He has this long grizzled beard that's braided very tightly down his front, like very uh, cleanly and neatly. And the braids actually connect at his torso, like under his arms and over the shoulder, uh, shoulder blades to form like a tradition Nipusin smock woven from your own hair. Uh, and over it, he's wearing like a furred coat and his like hooves are sort of like clopping like over the pavement uh, as he heads toward toward the pond. And like the rest of these morosy folk are also like heaving along, like carrying this like huge carpet, question mark. Uh, and he stops in front of the pond and like lowers his head steeply um, with like two horns, like peering out of his forehead to Prince Moa and Halo. And he says in sort of this like croaky, almost bleeding voice, um, <clears throat> I am Elder Rao Pohaku. Third seat elder from Morose. I'm so sorry the first and second seats could not come. Uh, their vacancy is still felt. Uh, may Nitbuza take care of their souls in the after. Uh, here, we have a wedding gift for the two of you. A tapestry. And they unfurl like a huge tapestry. Uh, that sort of like hits the ground and sort of rolls forward. And it's beautiful. Right, like the front of it is colorful. It's so elaborate. It's like clearly hand-stitched by like the top artisans of like Moreau's. And it like shows like, um, I think like a love story, right? It's like two separate stories on either end of the tapestry that meet in the middle. Um, one of like royalty and one of like dream prophetry. And like there are like two like souls like weaving together in the center, right? Uh, and uh, Halo gasps and like puts her hands over her mouth and says, oh, Elder Pohaku, thank you, this is, this is beautiful. And Prince Mo smiles tightly and says, oh, yes, thank you, this is gorgeous. We really appreciate it, uh, please. And like gestures off for like the Morozi to, to go off to their designated seats. Yes, Oka? So I have a question. How long does it take to weave something like that? And is it Prince Mo on the, uh, on the tapestry. Sharp eye. Uh, I was going to have you roll insight on Prince Mo's response, but I don't think you have to because it takes years, even for multiple like weavers working together to weave a tapestry like this. So it seems like they started when you and Halo were still engaged and they've had to like make some adjustments as they've gone along. You know what I mean? So like some of it, if you were like well-versed in Morose and tapestry reading, you'd be like, this doesn't make sense. Like there's a story that, you know, but if you were just like a random Joe Schmo off the street, you'd be like, this is a pretty tapestry, right? And like, you wouldn't, you would be none the wiser. But because you're like high-blooded and you've been like educated in this sort of like art form and like, what's it called? Art, art history, I guess. You would be able to see that like the beginning of the story is not the same as the end of the story here. Yeah. Prince Mo very tight-lipped, smiles tautly, and gestures for the elders to go off. Oka covers a snort kind of loudly. <laughs> yeah, it goes, oh, just a big tapestry. I like the rose better. 
I think once uh, V hears Oka do that little snicker, uh, she's going to like poke her head out from behind Rev, see that like the Jukai convoy is like kind of left. And so she steps back out to watch the festivities. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, and V, as you step out to watch the festivities, uh, another procession has like come through the gates. And this one is similarly humble, right? It's a procession of court denizens. Uh, maybe 12 of them uh, draped in black leather, their faces concealed by bird skulls that are very, I think, familiar to the five of you now. And all of these sort of feel rev <clears throat> like stiffen a little <clears throat> and like straighten a bit as like the court procession passes through. Uh, you notice that each of the robes have like different feathers attached to them of different colors. And you presume that they're uh, representing the different courts. Oka, as they're like starting to come in, Oka kind of like leans over to Rev and goes, shouldn't you be walking with them? I, they didn't exactly send a memo or anything. Uh, you could just poof over there if you want. Just like do the thing where you just poof behind them and walk with them. Really? Should I? I mean, you kind of, you, uh, yes. You know, I would. Well, you've introduced yourself to them before, right? Like they know who you are. They know what you are. Uh, yeah, that's the Duchess. Uh, and like Rev sort of like rubs a knot forming on her trap as you all see a graceful elven woman with skin the color of dried bones sort of floating through the middle of the procession. Her cheekbones are really high and really sharp. You could cut diamond on them, right? And her black eyes are heavily lidded. Uh, with like charcoal for like eyeshadow. And you see like strands of like gray and white thread uh, through her like short crow black hair. And she's wearing this like stiff collared dress, the color of like a strong deep wine. And clasped around her sternum is a belt of bones, feathers, and beads that rustle and clack when she moves. Uh, and Oka, I think you would recognize her as well, even by appearance. Uh, this is Duchess Rhyme Starwing. And Rev goes, oh, okay, 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 fine. I mean, it's good for Paragons to stand with the people we represent, right? That's a good thing. I don't know, is it? Do you, do, did you stand with them? Uh, we met at the Citadel, uh, the Black Castle, a couple weeks ago. Uh, you know what? Okay, just, I'll be back. Uh, and she disappears. And like a poof, and like a puff, and like a, a swirl of black feathers, she disappears from where you are and poof, reappears in the middle of the procession. And people on either side of like the path go, ooh, like they gasp and like the clapping stalls a little bit, but then it like doubles up as people think it's part of like part of the ceremony. And you all see like the Duchess like like pause just for like half a second and like her eyebrows shoot up as she looks at Rev, but then she schools her face into like the same austere expression she's been carrying this entire time and nods slowly and continues walking, right? And the rest of the court denizens follow her lead and they walk. Manaya leans down to V and says, right, and uh, when the championship representatives come, you gotta do the same thing, but you gotta follow that up with a little better, all right? Me going to the parade? <laughs> I'm trying to be deep undercover here. What do you try to do? Blow my cover? Well, you will find less cover behind me than your girlfriend. And Manaya, like, swishes her dress behind her to uncover V just a little more. Uh, fine. Wait, the championship. And Oka kind of trails off as they think about the championship. Uh-huh. At this point, uh, the court denizens have arrived at the pond's edge. Uh, and Duchess Rhyme Starwing presents, um, I think she holds her hands forward, and cups in her hands are these, like, what appear to be bones. They just look like regular bones, 
right? Like a raven skull and regu- like regular looking bones. And all of you sort of see like Prince Moa's face sort of falls. And he's like, uh, thank you, Duchess. Uh, but Halo's face like lights up and she goes, prophecy bones from the nest. But these, I can't, these are, please. From one prophet to another. In this time of great need, we should band together, not stand apart. And the Duchess, like, raises her cupped hands to Halo, and Halo, thank you so much. And she's had the biggest reaction to the this gift, uh, as instead of, like, the other gifts so far. And she personally takes the bones, instead of letting a servant handle them, like, very gingerly, and puts them into, like, a pouch at her waist. The Duchess walks off, and Prince Mo sort of scratches the back of his neck quizzically. He, like, clearly doesn't get what's so important about these bones, right? The next procession comes in, I think, uh, with, like, brass. Like, like trumpets are tooting, sort of. Uh, and you, like, hear, like, music playing bells ringing, cymbals clashing together as a procession of uh, Talmadi folk draped in three different kinds of colors marches in. You see, draped in black for Suraksha, gold for Thristi, and Oka, maybe something your soul jumps a little, red for Vinash. Uh, as these Republic folk like stride in also with like music and bells are dangling I think from their saris and also like from their own robes uh, that sort of jangle as they walk Uh, and standing at the head of the procession uh, draped in black is a familiar uh, blue-skinned green-haired triton person whose upper body and torso resembles a hammerhead shark and you all would recognize them as Karishma Bataval, the consul of Saraksha, uh, who basically was at your medal awarding ceremony after you quelled the rage. They're dressed in these like refined robes in the black of Saraksha, right? Uh, they seem to be the only one of the three consuls who showed up for this, uh, probably because their consul of Saraksha is in charge of like civil operations and whatnot, like um, international relations and whatnot. Something else that stands out to you is kind of trailing at the back of this procession. It's like a small handful, maybe three or four, people dressed in green robes that have followed the the Republic representatives in and seem to be part of their group. All of you recognize leading these green-robed folk, a half-elf man with this, like, stubble, on his chin, and he looks so excited to be here. He's looking around, he's like clearly trying to compose himself, right? He's like moving forward. And as they walk forward, the clapping stalls a little, and people like murmur in concern, like next to each other, right? There's like some grumbling, but then like the clapping starts again because Tilongans are nothing if not polite in the palace. And all of you see like the pattern of a chrysalis etched into the back of their robes as they walk. How are y'all responding to this? I think V's like, wow, times sure do change since we've left Telmod. Probably because we... <sighs> Oka's face has gotten quite dark at this point, and they kind of like lean away from their family. Probably because we let the consoles know that the chrysalis helped us. When I like swishes her dress back around V uh, and says, listen, I, I know you're probably supposed to be joining Nabal when they come, but we don't need them recognizing you. Perhaps you should actually stay undercover. I think V's gonna cast Disguise Self and turn into... <laughs> Let's just go with a fear bog. Like, you know, 
purple and Kelly green fear bulb. Okay. You change into a completely different person. And that's when there's like a ripple of feathers next to you as Rev reappears. Says, where's V? She's right there. You don't recognize her? Wow, you don't even recognize your own girlfriend. Dewey, shut up. V, you... uh, The Chrysalis. What are they doing here? It's like they're friends with uh, the delegation from Telamud. They're the people trying to assassinate the Emperor. Yes, we know. It's a problem. (sighs) All right, I know who I'm talking to as soon as this little invitation part is over. Uh, And at this point, the procession of Talmadi folk stop in front of the pond. And Karishma sort of like uh, lowers their head and a group like no fewer than two really strong looking people on either side carry a chest forward and they sort of drop it on the ground. Uh, And uh, at this principal looks really excited. He reaches down and unlatches the chest and opens it up and glimmering inside are these beautiful gems, right? Like very familiar looking gemstones from the depths, of course, of the Ujval mines. And Karishma Bhattaval says, I represent Talmad as the consul of Saraksha. Please accept this wedding gift. Gems from the depths of the Ujval mines. Prince Moore smiles with a huge like, like expression of happiness on his face and says, ah, thank you so much, Karishma. Uh, please, please, over there. And like gestures to where they should stand off to, right? And the procession goes off. He looks quizzically at the chrysalis folk, right? And Halo has a really drawn expression on her face. She gives a really taut smile and waves at everyone, right? Just politely. But as soon as the chrysalis like are out of sight, she like the smile drops and she looks really like really angry <laughs> and very upset as well. Oka tries to catch her eyes again. And like if they are able to just kind of nods a little bit. Yeah, Halo catches your eye and clearly gives you a look like, talk to me. Like, after this, like, we need to talk, right? Uh, about what the fuck to do about these chrysalis bitches, like, in the palace, right? Uh, so the next procession that comes in, you hear drums as well. But these drums feel different uh, from the drums that announced, I think, the Jukan procession. These almost feel like kind of hollow. Like, uh, folks are banging on, and as you see them, gourd-like drums and bamboo staves that they, like, like bang on the ground and clap against each other, and then bang on the ground and clap against each other. Uh, and Manaya, this is an extremely familiar melody and rhythm to you, uh, because this is the procession of Uhanahi. You see, like, multiple very strong and broad-looking Uhan folk. Sailors, no doubt. They look, I think, of everyone, like, perhaps, like, the most like salt of the earth people carrying uh, on their shoulders, at least I think 12 people on each side, a massive double hulled voyaging canoe, right? It's heavy as fuck and it's beautiful. Like it is the finest craftsmanship. Manai, maybe you salivate a little, like looking at it. This thing is gorgeous. Like what a gorgeous specimen, right? And they're like carrying it forward. Uh, the ones who aren't, who aren't carrying it are banging on like board like drums and singing and they're vocalizing, right? With these like beautiful like up and down rhythms um, and harmonies. And standing at the very front of the procession, leading it all, Manaya, you recognize her instantly, is Princess Nawal Kekoa, the daughter of Queen Olalani Kekoa. Uh, she is a young Fearbog woman with light brown skin and this dark wavy brown hair with flowers threaded through the tresses. Her entire face glimmers with piercings, septum, bridge, lip, 
ears, eyebrows, just glimmering with piercings. And she's also got this like thick black ink tattoo all over her body and her face and her legs, every exposed part of her skin done in a traditional Wuhan style. She's wearing this like gorgeous blue robe with a red sash wrapped around the waist, uh, the blue for the waves of Mahu and the red for the fire of the volcanoes, right? And everyone else is dressed in these colors as well. She steps forward and like bows deeply, right, to Prince Mo and um, and Halo. And Prince Mo also looks excited at this boat, right? He like perks up and like looks at it, uh, and she says, "Princess Naua Kakoa of the island and kingdom of Uhanahi, please accept our wedding gift to you. Our finest craftspeople have put together a double-hulled voyaging canoe for your pleasure. We're aware that." Reaching the ocean's waves might be rather difficult, given the location of Dokao and, mm, of course, the circumstances that have befallen us all, but for the future, toward a brighter future for us all. And Halo says, Thank you, Princess Kakoa. Thank you so much for this ship. Please. And she gestures off for um, Princess Kakoa and her retinue to stand off to the side as the ship is passed on. How are y'all responding to this? Manaya. As soon as she sees the procession, you would expect like uh, her eyes sparkle and her mouth widens, but that doesn't happen right away as she quickly scans to see if she sees the queen. Mm, the queen herself is not here. It appears she has sent her daughter in her stead. And at, uh, it's kind of delayed, but at not seeing the queen, uh, her, her mouth opens to a big smile and her eyes are wide, pupils dilated. As she stops clapping and very proudly with her chest out, gives a big old Luhana salute. Oh, cute. Yeah. Like, I think like on their way to where they're supposed to stand with the rest of the dignitaries, um, you see one of the people who was who had been holding up the canoe, like catch your eye and they grin and they salute back at you. Like sort of like a, hey, there's another Wuhan person <laughs> like in the crowd moment. You know what I mean? Uh, and they go off. I think Dewey uh, taps on maybe like Okish Oka and it's like, can I get in your shoulders? Can I get in your shoulders? Because he's trying also uh, to the, do the salute, but he's way too short to be seen. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Fine, fine, fine. Oka uh, just kind of like doesn't, it's super, they just grab Dewey's hips and then just hold him above their head, I think. Because <laughs> he's hollow, it doesn't weigh very much. Oh my God. Like a Lion King moment. Okay. <laughs> Dewey, you fly up into the air. B hides her face in shame and terror as everyone else like waves and does the salute. Uh, yeah, B's just like, what is this? As Oka uh, kind of drops Dewey back down again, uh, they look at Manaya and kind of like rib her a little, you know? And like, if this was my wedding, I would let you sail that boat for days and days and days whenever you wanted. Not by myself, I wouldn't. I'd take you all over on Dake. All the greatest port cities. The snacks and moros die for. I know. Why? Why are they so good? Because it's so cold there. They have to have something worth staying there for. What kind of a snack are you talking about, Oka? The dragonborn kind, or...? None of your business, Rav. Shut up. None of any of your businesses. Once this is all over, big cruise for all of us. And then Dewey realizes what he said. <laughs> and he's like, oh. Oh gosh. <laughs> Manaya awkwardly tries to rebrighten the mood by whispering to Rev. They make the best sweets. Mom used to give them to me before I went to bed. I would hide them under my pillow. <laughs> That's cute. Surprise! all your teeth haven't rotted out at this point. Oh, they're sugar-free. I oh. don't know how they do it, but it's it's sweet and cold and delicious. Huh. 
Uh, and maybe that's when, like, uh, maybe some, like, quiet falls down. I think because darkness falls, right? Like, you're not sure how, like, everything just gets darker, right? And, like, the clapping from, like, the uh, Princess Kokoa's entrance, like, dies down a little. People, like, start whispering, like, what's happening? And people are, like, looking up, but there's no Galtanger in the sky. Everything just gets dark, right? Uh, even, like, the fairy lights, the only thing illuminating, like, the pathway now are, like, the, the ambient fairy lights floating around. Um, and then the pathway in segments, kush, 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 lights up like a runway, right? As though there were, like, stage lights above it. Uh, and then a voice echoes out through the palace grounds and like music bubbles up like beyond it like the medieval equivalent of like edm music starts like bubbling up and you all hear a very familiar voice go hello too long <laughs> what is this a rave love is magic and then, like, strobing music starts playing, right? And, like, dancers begin, like, strutting down this pathway. And all of them are dressed in these, like, elaborate couture fashions, right? Like, very, one of them is just naked, doesn't have anything on, just body paint. Like, one of them is dressed in complete just feathers. Another one has, like, like plate armor on, but, like, a boob window, you know? And, like, another, it's, like, insane, like, insane fashion, just, like, going down, and they're all dancing and posing, you know, like, down this aisle. And, it, like, you see, like, smokestacks rising of, like, like, purple smoke, green smoke, you know, like, fireworks being shot up and like the two longin royals have no idea how to respond i think most of them are stunned into silence like a few of them god bless their hearts start clapping because that's what they're supposed to do but they, they are like dumbstruck and like yaya's jaw hangs open and toya covers her eyes <laughs> as this starts happening what do you all do i think oka when the lights like dimmed oka like like their their knuckles kind of like went white on Yaya's uh, shoulder, you know. Like they were getting really nervous. And then when they realize what the fuck is happening, uh, I think they just like throw their head back and start laughing so hard. They just start fucking losing it. <laughs> yeah, you're sure your mom and or Toya are shooting you dirty looks, but you can't see them through like the strobing light. You know, and it's nice music. Like the bass is bumping and it's got like a nice drum line going on underneath it. It's like very danceable, right? Uh, how about the rest of you? How are you responding? Dewey is just sitting there just like eyes glued to this whole display because he can't take his eyes off of it, but he keeps just muttering, we fucked up. Inspiration! Inspiration! That's so funny. Oh my god. What about you, V? V's like, oh, this would be so fun to do something. Are you sure? You don't all want- You feel Reb clap a hand on your shoulder, and she whispers in your ear, just do it. Come on. Somewhere's got a necklace is like, follow your heart! And V's just like, there's this green flash. V's still there, but now she's in like a full paragon. And she looks for the nearest wall, she runs at it, she leaps, she hits it, she jumps, and then dimension doors. Poosh. And then all of a sudden in front of like, you know, in the circle of that's probably formed, there's this bright purple light, boom. Uh, v kind of like flies through it. And she's like moving forward in a way that because of the wall jump, 
Like, it seems unnatural the way her body is, like, floating through air briefly. Total, like, power pose. And, uh, does, like, a quick forward flip and lands. And then uses minor illusion to, like, just make some, like, a purple dragon and a green dragon just fly up and do, like, a little light show. And then she's oh just, like... Oh, my God. She, she's dancing. She's pulling a chromatic orb out that's green and glowing and just, like, contact juggling it. And just, are you, like, are you also, up. like, going down the aisle, like, as you're dancing? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Okay, roll performance. All right. As all of this is happening, Oka, maybe who has started to compose themselves, is also looking for Kane. 17. Oh, we'll get to Kane, Oka. 17. You do an admirable job. You're not, like, people, like, the other dancers, like, fold you in to their routine very fluidly. And they, like, shimmy with you, like, down the aisle. They, like, dance and twirl. You know, they're, like, they're, like hyping you up, you know? And they're, like, like folding you into the rhythm of their, their moving bodies. And, like, you all start to, like, shimmy down the aisle toward the pond. Go ahead. And while V is dancing with everyone and grooving and doing contact jugs with the chromatic orb, uh, she's like, Scott and Nekis, Scott. Oh and then she's getting the dancers just a little, like, just a little bit. Like, the music is still key, but yeah, you just yeah, hear, Scott yeah. and Nectis. Actually, Scott people start chanting it. People start chanting, Scott and Nectis, Scott and, like, on, like, the dancers start chanting it, and, like, this, like, voice starts rising. Whatever was casting that massive voice earlier starts rising with your own voice, like, Scott and Nectis, Scott and Nectis. And, like, the music changes to sort of, like, go to like the rhythm of like the chanting and then like as all of like the dancers reach the end of the aisle poof, darkness falls on your section and then eight lights come up like at the gate right at the gates of the palace and poof, like fog and mist like rise up and silhouetted against like the blazing lights and the mist walking with like their arms outstretched is Kane. <laughs> This tiefling with midnight blue skin, wavy hair, pure silver eyes struts forward, wearing the sluttiest robes ever made, uh, just revealing like very lasciviously these like top surgery scars and they've got one plain silver earring on their left ear, right? But the rest of them is just draped, like kitted out, adorned, right? In these beautiful ornaments. And as they like strut down, like there's like cheering. You don't know if the cheering is like, <laughs> like magic, like illusioned up or if people are actually cheering. It's so hard to tell, but they're like blowing kisses. And as they do like actual like kiss marks, like float up into the air, like, you know, and they start dancing down like the aisle, like their fucking life depends on it. Like it's amazing. Like they do like a death drop. They like start twirling around. They like cartwheel. It's insane. It's fucking insane. At some point in the routine, they produce like fire torches as they start juggling it as they dance. And then like the torches disappear and turn into sparkles, right? At one point they whirl around and a dove comes flying out and like into the darkness. It's truly remarkable. How are y'all responding? I think as, uh, as V does her acrobatics, uh, Oka is otherwise complex occupied and Dewey is half Manaya's height. Uh Manaya like initially seizes up a little bit, reminding her of the carnival. Um notices that it's distinctly not the carnival and immediately relaxes, uh the smile on her face only growing as she looks around and she maybe locks eyes with Rev. Um and uh and walks over and is like 
Oh, come on. I can't dance to this alone. Uh, yeah, fuck it, okay. Uh, and Rev starts dancing, like, in the back, like, with you, Manaya. And I think we started dancing after V left, and then we stopped as, uh, as, you know, the Kane's entrance. <laughs> um, but as they started walking down and as the groove came back, I think we, ju- we just continued dancing. Yeah, it's it's party time with the Kians, right? And Oka, you can feel like Manaya and Rev and Yaya is dancing along, obviously. Even Yangya is doing like kind of an awkward shuffle, right? Like as like everyone in the Hien area starts grooving along to the music. Dewey? Dewey is sitting on the like he he's sitting on the ground. It's like <laughs> fa- face in his palm in his hands. Uh and he like he saw that uh Kane appear. And then after a while, looks up and Oka's still there, and he, like, just shoves Oka in their direction. <laughs> and then puts his face back in his hands. Uh, yeah, I think Oka gets shoved, uh, and they kind of stumble past uh, Yaya and into Kane's way. Yeah, yep. You stumble past Yaya, and you get in Kane's way. And, like so smooth like this was coordinated this was part of the routine Kane grabs you and twirls you around right and starts dancing with you like down the aisle right like twirls you like and catches you and dips you and then like brings you back up and starts like dancing with you like down uh Oka looks like a duck I think um like a like a duck trying to do this uh, with their like uh, like the robe that they're not used to you know um but they also like uh, I think as they, like, come back up to meet Kay and they're like, what are you doing here? Hello, lover. It's good to see you. How have you been? When you said that I should go to too long, I didn't know that you would be following suit in just a few short weeks. Well, what can I say? I love surprises. What can I say? I'm trying to save your life. You should get out of here right now. What? Save my life? I'm having the time of my life. And they, like, throw their hand out and fireworks explode above you. No, seriously, you have to, um, and then they shut up because they realize they're getting close to Yep, yep. Kane, like, twirls you to a finish, and, like, the poof, the lights come on, and there's, like, a final, like, explosion of, like, like, a fire show, you know, and, like, a final grand finale, right, of, like, fireworks go off, and you see, like, two long dragon curl, coiling up in the air, and, like, a mobile firework as, like, this dragon, like, swoops through the air, and then, like, swoops toward, like, Halo and Prince Moa, and, like, rah, explodes in their faces, like, harmlessly, right? Halo goes, oh, oh my, and, like, seems, like, a little delighted and stunned, and Prince Moa goes, and is, like, batting, like, his his arms around, right? But he, like, clears his eyes, and it's, like, looking around for, like, the present, right? Uh, And Kane goes, Prince Moore, Halo, Dream Prophet. Thank you so much for uh, hosting the champion of Nabal here. Uh, I hope you enjoyed your gift. What? What? The gift! Uh, and Kane like, gestures to himself. Uh, that was lovely, champion. Thank you so much for that performance. It truly lifted our spirits. That's it? <clears throat> uh, and Halo, like, sort of very, like, steps in and says, that was... Thank you. Both the prince and I very much enjoyed the performance, didn't we, dear? Huh? Oh, uh, yeah, it was great. Uh, and Kane sort of, like, lowers their, like, arms, raises, like, an eyebrow at Prince Mool and says, oh, it's okay. Uh, not all art makes an impression on everyone, uh, especially those who, I suppose, are not very, uh, 
interested in the nuances of life. What? Don't worry about it, dear. It's above your pay grade. Uh, all right, is that where we are? Uh, and Kay sort of like shuffles off, <laughs> shuffles off to like a, par a different part of like, you know, the courtyard. Uh, and as they're leaving you, Oka, like their tail sort of like tw like twirls around your arm uh, a little bit, and they like over their shoulder they say, "We'll catch up later." Uh, and Oka kind of awkwardly shuffles backward down the line. Uh, I, I think uh, V found her way back to Oka and just like grips an arm around their waist and be like, well, that was fun. And then foosh, dimension doors the both of them back to where they were standing. <laughs> In a bright, bright purple flash. But then the, when they get back, that's a less, less flashy flash. Love it. Yup. Got poof back uh, in the Hien family area. Uh, and Yaya goes, What? You know the champion? Know him? We practically put, gave him his position. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You want me to, you want me to introduce you after? Yeah, they're really cool. I want to learn how to do flips like that. Oh, if anyone could teach you, it's Kane. I'll introduce you. I'm right really? here. <laughs> Shut up, V. They seem like a really nice person, too. Wow, meeting the family so soon. Do we? Huh? Oka, you know, the, it's the same look that Oka had when they were trying to like get V's blood out of her, but it's slightly more unhinged. <laughs> but it's the same intensity. <laughs> I think while that interaction's happening, uh, Manaya and Rev are just finishing dancing, um, and Manaya looks over and sees that uh, V is back and twirls Rev and presents her hand. Your partner's <laughs> hand. Sorry, I had to borrow her. Well, at least she had a good dance partner and V like takes it very smoothly and twirls uh, Rev in. And yet, like they do a spin around, but somehow Rev ends up holding V instead of the other way around. Oh my and, God. And, and dunks <laughs> V. D dunk dunks her. Like, no, like dips, dips. Dunks her. <laughs> yeah, she, she gives you a nerd, Come stick your head in the toilet. <laughs> Look what we do in the chambers between us. Oh my god. Okay. Uh, <laughs> interrupting this, this, this blasphemy, interrupting this is a noise like thunder rolling toward the slumbering palace. Right, and everyone gathered like the the clapping pauses. They look around. They're wondering wait, who who could it be. We've had, uh, we've had the championship. We've we've had the court. We've had Jukai. Wait, who who else is left? People are like thinking, and their thinking is interrupted by coming through the gates, a herd of twenty horses, beautifully groomed. Right, manes thick and lustrous, hides just glistening with sweat, being led through the palace gates by a procession of elite Kyrian archers on horseback. And leading this procession, riding on a magnificent black Appaloosa with white spots, is a human woman. She has straight black hair pulled back into a bun and two wisps frame an angular, intelligent face. She wears padded leather armor with a composite bow strapped to her back, adorned with like a string of beads. Her sharp brown eyes scan the crowd as she enters, like a predator taking in new hunting grounds. And as she begins to process down this path, 
One of the archers next to this imposing woman like raises her head and starts speaking to address the crowd. She's a gray-skinned tiefling with curved horns, horizontal pupils, and a long, thin tail ending in a spade. Oka, you recognize this other woman, actually, as Selim, who was one of Mercy's exes. And as all of the horses and the archers, you know, too long as are clapping, like end in front of this pond, Selim, not the other human woman, speaks up and says, 20 horses from our hardiest, strongest stock for the bride and her husband, from Her Majesty Toktoa Kagan of Kirtal, wielder of Sharanga, and rightful paragon of Galtanger. Podcast editing is by Marissa Ewing of Hemlock Creek Productions. Transplaner RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter and explaintrade.com, a negotiation skills training consultancy, because you can't ask to roll persuasion in real life. Check out explaintrade.com. Please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. This helps so much with getting new listeners to find us. New podcast episodes drop every Tuesday. If you can't wait that long, tune into our live stream Saturdays at 7 p.m. U.S. Central Time on Twitch at TransplanarRPG. Also, toss us a follow on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and YouTube at TransplanarRPG. We also have a Patreon. Patrons get early access to episodes, character sheets, high-res art, and much, much more. And finally, a very special thank you to our Patreon Paragons. Azura, Brooke Bright, Charles, Chiacres, Cora Eckert, Emma, Hat, Conding, Lex Slater, Purple Mouse, Scruffesis, and Target.